Welcome to the Active Digital Podcast, brought to you by your co-hosts, Joe Wimble-Groves and Simon Reynolds. Joe is an author and the co-owner of Active Digital Communications. Simon is a Formula One driver performance coach and previously worked for the McLaren F1 team for over a decade. Join us to learn from elite athletes and entrepreneurs to discover why optimizing your human performance is integral to the success of every business. In this episode, we are delighted to be joined by Alex Wallace, founder of the Mint Ridge Foundation, a charity which works with young people of all ages to help them develop their confidence and show them the importance of well-being through the power of sport. In 2018, Alex was awarded the Sunday Times Sportswoman of the Year in the grassroots category, making her an inspiring guest to talk to. I'm so excited about this. Good morning, Alex. Good morning thank you so much for having me both excited to be here oh we're so excited to have you and considering that we've signed a technology partnership with the mint rich foundation uh, and we're now providing you guys with all the technology that you need and you know i'm sure you're really looking forward to getting out and mentoring loads of children with your new iphones and ipads we're so excited that we're we're working with you long term now as well oh i know exactly and i think just being able to develop partnerships with organizations that share such similar values is so important to us so we're very grateful for everything that you provide us so thank you you're very welcome and one of the reasons why simon and i sat down and decided that we wanted to have some conversations with people around employee well-being really because obviously the pandemic has really changed the way that we work so significantly. It's affected everybody in lots of different ways. And we know that just moving your body and and, and getting out for some exercise, eating well, sleeping well, training well, and trying to make sure that you're also keeping your productivity levels up when you're working from a home environment. You know, it's not been easy for lots of people and, and, and lots of different abilities as well. So I think it would be really interesting to find out what you guys have been doing, how you guys have been managing through the last 12 months, because we also know, you know, your sector has been hit quite hard. And, and, you know, imagine now you're coming out the other side of it. I'm sure you've got some big plans that you want to try and push forward. I think for us, Active Digital, we've been monitoring the well-being of our, of our employees now for over a few, for probably about two years. And uh, over the last sort of six to nine months, we've um, recruited Simon as a consultant, really, to work with all of our employees on their on their health, their fitness and nutrition. And for us, it's been so successful. And we just wanted to use the opportunity to talk to people in a conversational way to sort of share what we've learned, but also, you know, what, what you've learned as well. So I'd love to kick off with the first question, really, Alex, is just for you to explain what the Mint Ridge Foundation is, why you founded it, and uh, and what your hopes and aspirations are for your for your company. Oh yes, well, um, how long have we got? Because I'm very guilty of going off and, and shouting about it for for periods on end. So I will keep it brief as, as brief as I can. But we're a registered charity, um, and we are dedicated to supporting young people's physical and mental well-being, and that's achieved through sporting role models so we have a team of olympians paralympians and other professional sports stars that use their platform to enhance enhance those young people through the far-reaching power of of sport and sport has so many different impacts that it can create that we're we're so grateful that we can we can utilize them um, to achieve our goals and it is it's definitely been a very personal passion project from the beginning um so the the needs are not that I feel um, are needed within in the sector are definitely there at the forefront. And that's grown really out of my own 
sporting background um, and what I felt I needed when I was growing up. I was a hockey player. I made made my ambition, made my dream to play for England um, from a young age. And I got to England trials at under 16 after playing week in, week out, going through the system. But it was at those trials that I didn't get selected. And I didn't get selected not because of my hockey talent, but because of the internal pressures that I had put on myself from the imposter syndrome I felt at those trials, from the fear of failure that I just had never had to cope with before, that when I didn't get selected, I then really struggled afterwards. I struggled with my own mental well-being. I struggled with my identity. I was Alex, the hockey player, but I'd failed at what I perceived had I had failed at, at that. And I really fell out of love with something that I grew up just I fell in love with the game like any young person does in sport and and I was now playing because I had to and not because I wanted to and I think the idea around Mintridge which I didn't really appreciate I needed at the time but it's having those mentors it's having athletes that have achieved the highest goals but they've also failed they failed significantly in so many areas and they've been there they've done that they've got the scars and I think if I'd known that from a young age, I think I would have coped much better in that situation because, yes, I had a great support network around me in terms of family, but they didn't necessarily know what to do when I was struggling. And, and it's just something that's so needed that there wasn't that focus then. It was all focused on the technique on the hockey field, which I was OK at, um, but there's just so much more to it. So Mintridge was very much born out of supporting up and coming talented athletes but what it has grown to become is schools and clubs um, using it to promote self-esteem to, to promote increased confidence and that's what I love so much about sport in general is that it can achieve that so that that's the big that's the biggest thing really but also it's about relatable role models as I said athletes have such a platform that makes young people well all people really sit up and listen in a very different way almost like they're like rock stars aren't they but it's about bridging that gap and it's it's about if you cannot be what you cannot see and one of my favorite cheesy phrases but I didn't have role models that I could relate to I didn't really know who the GB women's hockey team were they were really hard to find whereas I love Johnny Wilkinson and I didn't play rugby and I'm not male but he was who I looked up to. Um, yes, and I'm not ashamed to say that my Hotmail account was Mad at hotmail.com, um, which I, <laughs> I should have pro probably changed before I applied for UCAS, but that's a different story. But actually looking back, why was he? Because I, I loved him. I loved his meticulous approach to his training. I loved his devotion, but actually I can relate to that. So now with Mintridge, we have such a diverse team of athletes that the messages that they are trying to convey, whether that's around their physical well-being or their mental well-being, a young person can relate to that because it's they're either the same ethnicity, they're from the same background, they're a para sport, they're, they're, they're from a similar school to them. There's so many different things that I just felt like was lacking growing up, particularly for females. So um, it's a really, it's really big focus and, and definitely we're seeing the impact that that's achieving from, from having those role models. 
Oh, I think that's absolutely wonderful. That is a that is a great way to explain why you started the foundation. And and role models are so important, aren't they? And relatable role models. And Simon, I want to ask you now. So as a as a personal trainer and someone that's been you know training racing drivers across all different ages, how 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 important is that for you to recognise and to see? you know seeing relatable role models and having those mentors i'm sure you've been mentoring a lot of young racing drivers coming through the ranks yeah no absolutely and i've been mentored myself so i was very lucky to be mentored by dr aki hinzer um who set up hinzer performance and uh, he was a finnish doctor um who moved over to ethiopia and worked um with uh, less fortunate sort of um young people and families and this quite inspiring book he, he wrote uh, called The Core and he explains his sort of life journey. Uh, sadly he passed away in 2016 but I was lucky enough to work with him for about eight years and I reported to him in regards to working with the young drivers and, and supporting them through the, through a process effectively and Alex you, you touched on some real good points there about failure because failure should be embraced and and that's something I teach the drivers now so everything I learned from from Dr. Hintzer, I sort of apply to everyday life and working with the young drivers, especially mentoring them uh, and learning from others as well. So other experts that I work with and things like that. Um, I can only share your, your sort of inspiration aspirations in terms of how, how you go about supporting young people. And I think that's, uh, I think that's so important. And I, I love working with young people. I, I enjoy work my time in Formula One, but ultimately I prefer working with young people that, and I can see them develop. And, and that's what I'm doing now. So working with sort of 14, 15, even a, a, new, a new sort of 12 year old driver, applying the habits, good habits to begin with that they can take on for the rest of their life. So if they don't choose to become racing drivers and they move on to another occupation, they've still got those life skills um, in place. And it works no matter whether an athlete, an office worker or whatever they decide to do in life. Having those life skills is something that I wish I had when I was younger. And uh, I, I, I read through your website and I was very inspired uh, by what you do for the, for the young people. Uh, and especially, I totally agree that having some mentor athlete um, who's achieved and failed to explain their and share their stories to young people to know that failure is a good thing. Um, at the time, it doesn't feel like it is, yeah. but we can learn everything from failure to then uh, apply ourselves effectively um, to turn those failures into strengths. Oh, completely. And, and just from what you said there, I think, you know, when I look at the hockey journey, I felt I was Alex, the hockey player, but actually, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm Alex, the whole person. But sport teaches me those life skills. So I think that's really important to instill that the failures and the successes that you're learning in Formula One or wherever it might be, they can then help you in so many different areas, not just on the track, which I think I often forgot when I was growing up. So yeah, really important messages there. Does it, it's not easy at the time to talk about celebrating failure, but I think long-term, I, I appreciate that it's it's for the better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think fa failure is not something, I think, I think the outcome the outcome of the process is, some, is, is what we celebrate, but the, yeah. the, the failures are part of that process that we can look back and celebrate because we learned from. Um, at the time, we don't obviously celebrate failure, but in terms of we need to try and embrace it and learn from it. And, and yeah. so we can turn it into a positive. Absolutely. <laughs> Children really need to hear about failures, don't they? They need to hear it from us as 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 guiders or, or caregivers. And 
because I think you know sometimes we're not very good at, at sharing are we about what we haven't done well but I think it is really really important for children to hear that and it's something I do when I go into talk to in schools myself I'm very very keen on talking about the good and the bad and, the, and, and how you overcome adversity really it's so so important so over the last 12 months as I said Alex I know it's been really tough time for lots of different industry sectors but I think for charities particularly you know with obviously that you know the London Marathon being postponed last year and, and all of those runners who um, would raise so much money, millions of pounds for different charities, as, as well as lots of other big events. How, how, have, you got, how, got, how have you guys been managing? Uh, and I know that you've obviously had to digitalise your approach as well, um, which is obviously a very apt conversation. So how did, how did you guys cope? Yeah, uh, I think I joked with my dad the other day that I said, you know, we were in elite sport, we're in schools and we're in charity, probably three of the biggest areas hit. We just add travel in there as well and it would have been a recipe for disaster. But I think from the positive side, it's allowed us to step back and reassess everything, which being a small organisation, we haven't been able to do because we so often get bogged down in the day to day. So from a positive side, we've been able to do that and reassess what's working, what's not. So that has been brilliant. But in terms of the biggest impact and, and the biggest focus that we've had, it's, it's being able to survive the pandemic. We talked about lots of different areas. Um, do we stop do we stop operating for a while? Do we do we just do that? And actually, no, we did not want to do that. That's not what we want, what we set out to achieve. The younger generation are arguably going to be the most affected from this past year. So we need to support them to reduce that as much as we can. So very early on, we were looking at, right, let's let's look at how we can go into survival mode throughout just to, to get us through. And um, I was very it's very apparent lots of charities were doing lots of emergency appeals and so on and and I didn't want to go down that route because I everyone was being affected by this we we were all in the same storm but sailing different boats someone said the other day which is so true and I think that's why we were right how can we all get 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 in this together so what did we need to do we needed to fundraise we needed to keep that income coming in steadily and how do we want to do that we want to support those using the tools and the resources that we have, whether that's young people or whether that's our supporters. So we've done a lot of virtual challenges, which has been brilliant in terms of we're getting people active, we're keeping people connected, and they're doing something for the greater good, which is which has enhanced their well-being, which has probably been more successful than any other fundraising campaign we've done in the past, which it just goes to show what, what can be done. But as well with actually supporting our beneficiaries, we're very lucky that we had some remote elements in place anyway with our school programmes. So we didn't have to create new safeguarding policies. We didn't have to do all of that hard work there. We could just pivot our school visits and digitalise them, which we are so grateful for because it's been keeping us um, in the minds of schools and it's above all it's been supporting young people in the way that we can so not saying it's been easy um, it's been challenging and there's there's been lots of tears from my point of every government announcement I'm like I can't do it again <laughs> um, but actually we, we have survived and we've now got our first 
school visit in over a year this coming week where we are going to embrace that fully and let's hope the sun continues to shine through it. <laughs> Wellbeing in the workplace can be fundamental to the long-term success of any business. By investing in employee wellbeing, this can lead to reduced sickness absence, higher performance and productivity. Talk to us about our employee wellbeing app, Get Active Digital, and find out how you can make wellbeing a priority for today, tomorrow and every day. Oh, that's so brilliant. And, and I know on from that, you've been talking to uh, Richard about developing your own Mint Ridge app, which we're so, so excited about as well, helping you to bring all the different elements of your business together into one place. Oh, absolutely. Can't wait. And and so much of the offerings that we have are, are done online now. And if we can't act, we want our services and our athletes to be accessible to every young person in the UK. So to digitalize it, it will be huge and, and make it as simple as possible for everyone. Oh, that's so great. And Simon, I just want to come back to you because I know we've just been talking about resilience, but also the question of getting kids active and moving from a young age, which is which is what Alex is so you know trying to encourage as well, because they're able to to see to see professional athletes as well who have achieved and and move their bodies throughout their lifetime. Simon, how important is that for us to do that from a young age, do you think? I think it's really I think it's very important. Uh, I know even in the sort of uh, as we call it the digital world and the um, the the computer revolution or evolution or revolution um, is that more and more of the consoles are now moving towards trying to keep children and more active and, and obviously some years back it was very much a sedentary uh, kind of pursuit where you're sat down and you're playing on a computer game for ages and ages and you're not moving around and that's gonna that affects you as you're growing so your body's adapting all the time when you're growing you go through this maturation process and from a very young age your your brain's uh, sort of plasticity is almost being molded and and that sort of hardens up and becomes less pliable as you get older so you kind of almost ingrain and set those those skills and those abilities and patterns of movement uh, from an early age so it's it's extremely important to encourage children to just be uh, to play uh, especially between the ages of sort of 1 to 7 you know it's all that all that play sort of time and experiencing play and sort of having a bit of bit of freedom to to play around so i'm very fortunate to work with one of the top um, or, or sort of get advised by one of the top pediatric strength and conditioning coaches who's written and published over 85 papers and he's written numerous books and he he sort of helps guide me a little bit every now and again um, when I when I need a qu- question answered on maturation and things like that and he's very much into animal movements you know, like the lizard and the bear crawls and all these sort of things which get which, which encourage children to move in a certain way to, so they can experience and feel their bodies moving in different patterns of movement. And it's fun and it's engaging and they can, they can be certain animals and lizards and crocodiles and bears and, and, uh, and giraffes and whatever they're being. And I love that. And I actually use that with even the older drivers to some degree, especially like the bear crawl movements, things like that. So, so movement is extremely important. And if for an office worker, um, which obviously we're interested in in sort of helping them move is it becomes a very sedentary very stagnated way of being and um, without movement we're not circulating our our sort of blood effectively around the body and oxygen and nutrients around the body to keep our body working efficiently and our organs healthy so we need to encourage people that are sitting down for long periods 
to move regularly and to sort of change position in their seat or if they're driving in their car to sort of stop and have breaks. Uh, and office workers having breaks is probably one of the most fundamental things to do uh, mid-morning, lunchtime and mid-afternoon. Without those breaks, uh, we're sitting in a sedentary position. And it also makes our brains processing very sedentary as well. So our creativity skills and our motivation levels and our enjoyment and our positivity is all reduced if we don't move um, because we could become a, 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 I did a video on this recently, but the difference between a, a flowing river and a stagnant pond is that we want to be a flowing river and not a stagnant pond. I won't go into that, but that's the kind of the analogy I like to use. I think that's really interesting. So when we're thinking about movement, Alex, that leads me on to a great question for you, really. You're obviously at, at home, uh, working at home as well on your family business. How are you keeping yourself uh, moving and also reminding yourself to take breaks? I'm terrible for taking breaks. Simon's always having a go at me for not taking enough breaks. How, how are you doing that, Alex? Oh, I think it's such um, an important question because it's so easy for us to say, get out and be active and take breaks and actually what I'm trying to instill in our team is what what works for you what time of the day works for you and actually being kind to yourself so if getting up and going out early for a run is is what works for you brilliant but for me that's not I find that I need to break up the day and I never used to do that because I used to be really tough and actually being kind to yourself and allowing yourself to wake up and have a relaxing morning and do some yoga which is what I've done today has been brilliant and that really works for my for my lifestyle and then if I've had a stressful day I like to go and play tennis so I'm so glad the tennis courts are back open because I'm so guilty of everything rushing around in my head and and particularly on the run whereas actually if I'm playing tennis I have to be so in the moment I have to be so mindful that all I'm thinking about is that ball coming towards me that actually it's really good and teaches me to be present which I'm not very good at and I think as well if I go out for a run or a cycle I put the apps on and and I'm then putting pressure on myself when I'm not as fast as I used to be. So if I want to do that, right, go out and enjoy it. Remember why you did it, that enjoyment we had when we were younger that, that Simon was just talking about. And, and otherwise, I just get het up and I, I end up not enjoying the thing that I love so much. So I'm really keen for the team here to, if Katie says, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm just going to have to take some time out and go for a walk. Absolutely. You do not have to ask me to do that as long as you're getting the work done and you're doing it to the best of your ability, then do it in the timescales that you can. And I think that's what working from home has, has given us, has given us that freedom to allow that. And I just hope that we continue this as, as a nation, it's humanizing everyone. And you aren't just colleagues, you, you do have, you can be human and talk about the normal things and, and allow that allow it to work to different people's lifestyles so that's been huge and and it's taught me to practice what we preach when we go into schools and actually take it on for yourself and and have that perspective so yay to the tennis courts being reopened <laughs> makes me much happier <laughs> Simon I know you're really passionate about this about um the power of walking or even brisk walking and and you know just getting out in nature and how how much that can change just change how you're feeling even if it's for 20 or 30 minutes and obviously katie feels that as well um simon tell us a bit about the, the sort of the power of, of even just going for a walk and how that can change your mindset yeah it's really interesting alex you touched on a few points there where you talked about uh people sort of want uh, going out and enjoying exercise 
And sometimes I think people get anxious about what exercise means to them. And they may have had a, a, a sort of difficult experience when they were younger of PE lessons and that sort of thing. We don't all enjoy certain aspects of PE and playing sport. I was rubbish at football, um, but I love running and athletics. And so I, I hated the winter and love the, the spring summer months. <laughs> and I, I think it's really important for people to understand that exercise is, is there and movement is there to be enjoyed. And you don't have to go to the gym. You don't, you don't have to sort of do specific types of what we call exercise and movement training. You can actually just go for a walk and enjoy the outdoors and enjoy the experience. And in actual fact, our bodies are our bodies sort of energy systems from an aerobic level. The health benefits are actually quite uh, quite a low intensity. And if we want to improve our cardiorespiratory sort of uh, strength and, and a, uh, an ability to um, enhance our fitness, then we can obviously increase that intensity but it should be layered up over a period of time if that's what you want to do but there's nothing wrong with going out and just going for a, a gentle to, and then building up to a brisk walk uh, because science has shown in a, a recent article um, that Richard actually sent me on brisk walking which reinforced what we're teaching everyone at Active Digital uh, is is the fact that brisk walking is proven to be very very effective and improving your health, well-being, and your cardiovascular and respiratory system. And then over time, you can layer that up. And there's nothing wrong with running and jogging, but we shouldn't always feel like we need to go for a run and jog in order to improve our fitness. That's 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 something to aim for if that's what you want, but there's nothing wrong with just brisk walking. We can actually get a lot of health benefits from brisk walking. Um, and in fact, I, I brisk walk and cycle rather than run now. Um, I came from an athletic running background, and I and now prefer to do sort of uh, more biking uh, exercise and that makes me happy and the thought of maybe going for a run is more makes me more anxious <laughs> so I think it's yeah it's finding those pursuits that that really make you passionate and excited to do and not anxious uh, about the thought of doing it because if it's if something is gives you that sort of stress and anxiety at the thought of it then maybe you shouldn't do that and find something else um, that you actually do enjoy i.e tennis <laughs> big recruit for Ketten Tennis Club at the moment if anyone wants to join <laughs> brilliant when it comes to motivation uh, this is a question for both of you really do you think that's obviously a massive part of it and Simon I know you love talking about motivation because people might think oh yeah I really need to go and do something but it is a point of getting up making the time and actually just going and, and doing it and being motivated to do it I think this has been a really tricky one for so many people this year um, for our athletes themselves when they haven't known what competition is coming up next, um, but also for just the um, everyday, the general public. And and that's why the, the challenge I spoke about earlier, I think we had such success with it because we created a challenge which was get a team of seven together virtually and um, try and achieve a common goal within seven days. And I think... For me, having that accountability was a real added motivation. It was having that team, um, that team around you. And I think that's great for some people, but again, it might not work for others. And it's just going out and how does this make you feel? How, how do you feel when you end your run on a personal level? So I think again, motivation, it, it, you could talk about it for so long because it, it means so so many different things and if this year hasn't challenged you to to think about motivation differently then I don't know what will so for me it's having a challenge and and to have a, a set target and that's what I like otherwise I really struggle to 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 push forward but um as well it's 
for me the motivation with tennis has been escapism it's been I've been working from home I've been doing everything from home right getting in my car it's a change in the day and it's actually just forgetting about it and and getting back to that core of why I love sport and that enjoyment I'm actually not as one of the most competitive people in the world I'm actually not worried about the results at the moment I'm just having a great time <laughs> that's so good that's so good that's brilliant Simon if people are feeling a bit low yeah, yeah so if people are feeling a bit low Simon how can people find their motivation again yeah that's I mean that's a great question and it's um I think it's the, the individual individual nature of what inspires you and excites you and I think our adaptability to anything has to be done over a period of time so time allows our body and our mind and everything to adapt and I feel for some people this whole experience has been a very negative experience and other people it's been very positive and I, I think for those who found found it a negative experience it's sometimes quite good to reflect and review um, on why you found it um, difficult and obviously that'd be very individual in, individual for, for for most people but in that reflection review review pr uh, process is actually to draw out the positivity and the positive aspects of of your life and then focus on those positive aspects and then from there then each day try and uh, i did a video on this recently as well but try and write down three positive things that you experience or, or that you achieved each day and science has actually shown that if you do that over a period of time um, they had a sort of set people that did that for sort of six to eight weeks and they started to autonomically um, or automate their brain to think more positively. And I think this is really important for people to then start to build their motivation from their positive thoughts and ideas. And this this can be something which happens, you know, in, instantaneously or something that happens over a period of time. But I think it's really important. It starts off with that more positive type mindset. And if you are feeling negative it's going to take time for that to happen and i think this whole experience has been difficult for everyone in in one way but i think if we can all if we can turn that around um, especially when it comes to movement and motiv motivation of movement and motivation itself is what motivates us to get up every morning well for most people it's to work and earn money but we can pull and draw the positive from that and again that's that's quite a difficult process but it's achievable through having goals and targets as you described Alex so I think goals and targets are extremely important and we should all be setting our daily goals in our sort of personal work and health and uh, and if we do that every day we can achieve 365 goals a year um, or times that by three then they, almost a thousand goals a year that you're achieving so I think having giving yourself something simple like I'm going to hydrate better today by drinking uh, one extra glass of water uh, and substitute that instead of coffee or tea or fizzy drinks or whatever it might be um, it's one step to being a healthier you. That's so true I just wanted to add on to that as well I think whenever we feel low it's it's almost it, it consumes us and this isn't okay to feel like this but it is a completely normal human reaction and I think as long as we acknowledge that and we acknowledge those negative feelings as well as we acknowledge those positive ones, that's OK, because if we don't, it will build and build and build. And that's when that's when we really struggle. So, yeah, I really, really like that point of checking in and acknowledging both both sides, positive and negative. Oh, that's great. That's really good. Alex, I'm just going to come back to you because you just mentioned that you're going back into schools again soon, which is super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> So what are your plans from here on? Is it more a case of getting back to your new normal? 
or at or, or is it a great time for you guys to to grow and to thrive because as you said earlier you know we're, we're concerned about young people i don't think there's been you know more concern of health and well-being particularly with anxiety and depression in our young people so your services are needed more than ever yeah absolutely and and it is about um us being able to grow and grow with the new normal the cliche the cliche phrase that is um but i think what this has taught us is that we have actually seen that having a conversation with an athlete and assembly online is actually not as powerful as them being in person but it, it achieves some brilliant um, outcomes as well so what this has allowed us to do is that we can be more accessible and even more affordable to to schools across the country so that will allow us to grow more because not only are we offering school visits but we're offering online services much more as well so we are going to be at the forefront and we are going to make sure that everyone knows that we can support those those young people that need it and then um, what a better time to do it so roll on September I think that's when everything will be back to the way we want it to and yeah we've got big aspirations for for where we want to go with it so exciting exciting and we're ready I sent an email to the team this week I just said if just to fasten our seatbelts because I think it's um yeah it's it's getting we've been used to doing everything on our own for the last year and now now it's going to have a hopefully have a, a, a roundabout turn and, and go to where we want to really be. Do you think the government could do more to, to encourage more PE in, in, in schools? Uh, because I know it, it has been lacking, hasn't it, over the years? It's almost got, got worse rather than better. I, I definitely think that. And um, I think at the start of last year, March, April time, I think just seeing how the focus on supporting young people was keeping them active, being creative, um, whatever it might be, that actually, why isn't there more funding focused on the arts, on the sports, which is creating more positive well-being on young people? And actually, a lot of the time, the focus is on uh, English and maths, which is obviously very important, but can they not be of equal equal benefits there? And yes, I I I do think the government could be doing a lot more, and um, and hopefully we can showcase why because of what what impact it has had when what impact it has on on their attainment and their academic studies as well. Um, there's so many far-reaching impacts from sport that I think they they can't be forgotten. Yeah. And Simon, as a father of three, how do you keep your kids, you know, active and, and, and doing PE? Do you get them doing lots of squats, lunges and press ups on a day to day basis? <laughs> um, no, I, I I obviously keep them active um, and encourage that. Um, but I, I'm a much I'm a real believer that they kind of need to find their the things that they enjoy. So Summer, my daughter, she loves climbing. So we take her to climbing and swimming. Um, and then my son likes rugby. So we play rugby and things like that and take him to rugby uh, lessons. He loves running. So I, I sort of teach him a little bit about how to run and, and stabilize his body a little bit and things like that, but just in a kind of fun way. I do in the summer months, spring and summer, especially when the weather's nicer, when we can play outside is do the animal movements. And I set up little, I, I, I have been known to set up PE lessons outside. So sort of climbing up a ladder and then using my ladder drills for little fun little bits and then going through the hoop and like creating like a mini assault course um for a bit of fun <laughs> uh but my son he's I, we believe he's got a bit of joint laxity um so i've been doing a little bit of strengthening with him in in my gym uh so we've been doing some squats 
push-ups, <laughs> some pull-ups and things like that. And a little bit of static neck work, um, which the drivers do at a young age uh, because they have to tolerate sort of 2G, you know, two, two and a half G, G loads in corners or sort of G force. So, so yes, I think it's really important, but it's finding just finding things that they enjoy doing and not sort of trying to encourage too much um, if it causes them a bit of anxiety and they don't really enjoy it. So, you know, like motor racing, I certainly don't want them to pursue that necessarily because it's going to cost me too much money. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but if they want to do it then, uh, and they enjoy it, then I'll encourage anything. So that's, that's what I believe. Oh, that's really good. Really good to hear. I thought the bear crawls would be in there somewhere. So before we before we finish, Alex, how can people support Mint Ridge Foundation and the fantastic work that you're doing? Because, you know, we want to give you a really good shout out um, today so people can understand what Mint Ridge is about. But but what can they do if there's, they can follow you on social media? Can they get involved with some of these events? What can they do? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Jay. That's great. Um, we have lots of different ways of um, of how people can support and I think as I've said earlier it's how we can support our supporters as well that's a really big focus for us um, so by following us on social media and and looking at our website you'll see lots of different ways of doing that and we work with businesses we work with small businesses large organizations and help them achieve their their CSR objectives, whether that's through um, delivering in their communities or whether that's potentially donating through their sales it's so varied and we want to be able to support and endorse that with our incredible team of athletes but also it's on on the individual basis as well um, on a personal level if if this does strike a chord with with anyone we have a variety of ways whether that's through um, active challenges and now mass participation events are returning as well we've got lots of spaces in in half marathons in open water swims as well so a real variety of ways and um, we'd love to love to share more but lots of it can be found on our online channels that's brilliant that's brilliant. well I've found this so useful today every time I'm on a call with you Alex I always learn something new and I always learn something new when I'm on the phone with Simon <laughs> fountain of knowledge uh, so I've really, really enjoyed this session. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you can, please leave us a rating and a review. You can also find Active Digital on all of your favourite social media channels and our website, activedigital.co.uk.